if you were to win the Masters, what what would the celebration be like for you? Oh boy. It's the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Hey, welcome to episode 61, the Gary Player edition of the podcast. What an absolute weapon that beauty is. And he's still incredibly fit and a bundle of energy at age 85. Why is he number 61? He won the 1961 Masters, becoming the first international champion in the 25th edition of this prestigious tournament. Player would go on to win two more Masters titles in his Hall of Fame career, that saw him win nine majors in all, including being one of just five men to win the career Grand Slam, holding all four major championships. It is still insane that Tiger Woods held all four majors at the same time, winning the final three in 2000 and then the 2001 Masters to complete the Tiger Slam. There it is, as grand as it gets. Back to Gary Player. Him being the first international winner of the Masters is apropos, good word, because this most recent tournament saw another international champion, Hideki Matsuyama, slip into the green jacket, becoming the first men's golfer from Japan to win a major title. I'll be sure to talk about this with my next guest as we stroll down Magnolia Lane onto the hallowed grounds of Augusta National into Butler Cabin. So without further ado... Let's get cracking. Okay, now welcome on a great friend of mine and recurring guest, Adam Skelly, from episodes 9 and 43 of this podcast. He's the producer and host of Golf Talk Canada, former OHL goaltender, and most importantly, one half of the scintillating good word hosts of the Bros Ceremony podcast discussing The Bachelor. Welcome back to the H-Dog pod, Adam. Okay. A couple, a couple things to wrap up. Great friend, like is is that where we're cutting off now? Is is that is that our is that our moot point now? Where we're just calling us great friends, or are we are are we the bestest of friends? Are we are we bromios? Is that where we're going with this? <laughs> well, the, uh, the the great friend. I always find it funny whenever I do those intros with great friend. It's as if like, well, of course, it's a great friend. It's not going to be a horrible friend or or bitter enemy. Or at least you wouldn't think anyway. I wouldn't think I would have a bitter enemy on this podcast. So. Maybe I ought to rethink that, but uh, I'd say we're Bromeos, uh, Adam. Yeah, uh, it is. In all seriousness, it is an absolute pleasure to be on episode this episode nine, episode forty three, and episode sixty one. I am truly honored to be on this milestone episode. <laughs> well, Adam, uh, I'm happy to have you on, and uh, obviously the Masters just ended here a couple days ago, yes. so I thought perfect time to have you on. Obviously. So we can discuss that in depth, all 18 holes, every single shot mm-hmm. of the winner, of course, Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, yeah, what do you think of uh, him uh, winning his first green jacket? It was uh, it was awesome. And what I think, and I, I know we communicated a little bit uh, during uh, while it was happening via text message, um, I think Matsuyama really won this golf tournament on Saturday after that whatever it was 77 minute rain delay maybe it was a little longer 70 the the rain delay anyway he came out he three waggled the 13th hole and then he just went on a birdie barrage from there it was it was a lot of fun to watch him do what he did sort of his achilles heel if you will through his career as we both know has been the flat stick and and he he putted well uh i was a little uh things got a little dicey there uh sunday when Mm -hmm. uh you know going for 15 and 2 this is something that like you would do, you know, 
partnering with me as we lose another match together. But when you're four four shots up and you guys decide to go for it on the 68th hole of a major championship, and like I think he scalded a little bit or hit it, a, he knifed it a little bit that forearm from 236. But I, you know what? I understand the layup. It's obviously hindsight, but the layup it would it'd be a challenging shot regardless. But you know, I'm sure he was pumped up with adrenaline to hit it that long. Things got interesting. And I know, you know, the 16th hole happened as well. I know I'm rambling here. Of course, I apologize. <laughs> but the, 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 the 16th hole, which that, that water hazard there, which is I know your favorite water hazard in golf because it's never in play. And Xander Shoffley proved us wrong, broke our hearts. But in all seriousness, no. Uh, though Hadaki Matsuyama, the first uh, men's major champion from japan uh, an awesome story uh adam before i get to well, well before we break down everything else that happened really good math on, on your part by the way you said the 68th hole of the major championship the 68th hole would have been the 14th hole the 69th hole uh-oh yeah, 69th hole nope, was the 15th nope. hole. The 70th hole was the 16th hole. Yeah, yeah. First, I was going to oh, trip you. Right. No, no, it was the 69th hole. <laughs> yeah, nice. I was going to trip you, and then I went, uh-oh. I just, I, in my head, I, th- I thought I realized I screwed up. No, you were the one who screwed up. It was the 69th hole, the 15th hole. And, uh, yeah, he had like a six-shot lead on the second nine, and then all of a sudden, he makes bogey. Xander makes birdie. So within a two-shot lead, oh, my God, here we go. And then Xander puts that ball in the water. Nobody goes in that water hazard. It's the most useless water hazard normally. And another uh, collapse by Shoffley doing something uh, bad at the end of the golf tournament. It's, it's becoming a trend with him. It is. And I want to turn the tables on to you now. I know you're the host of this, but I want to ask you a question. So after the round, Shoffley says he flushed that iron shot. I'm calling no chance you flushed that. I mean, during, during the broadcast, Dottie Pepper said that you know, some sort of wall of wind came up. But for a professional golfer to come that short with an eight iron in their hands, do you think he's fatted a bit, Michael? I think the only, potentially the only thing he might be actually protecting his caddy is, is possibly because maybe, maybe the caddy had the wrong numbers or something like that. It's, uh, I don't because I know two years ago in 2000, uh, 2019, when he had a chance to win, he hit it well over that pin and it went to like, you know, oh. 20 feet or something. Like that. So I'm sure in the back of his mind, he didn't want to do it again. He didn't want to go too far. So maybe he's protecting his caddy in some way. I don't know exactly on that one, but that that is uh, definitely peculiar for sure. Good word. It it was, it was strange. And, you know, some of his comments after a few days ago on Sunday, when he was saying that he felt he had to take more of a direct line to the 16th flag, where it's in that traditional bowl, if you will, on Sundays, Xander, I, I mean, have you watched the tournament before? Like you can hit it 20 feet, right. And you're beside the hole. Maybe he pulled it a little bit. Uh, I'm guessing he won't, you know, tell us this information until maybe a little later, but um, quite a wild final round to, to beat Matsuyama, what he did on Sunday. He was 72, Matsuyama 73, with a triple bogey and a double bogey and still shooting even par in the final round of a major championship. Wild stuff, but eight top tens and 15 career majors for the X-Man. I still think, you know what, he's going to get one. I mean, people are making the comparisons to uh, to the Rick Tater, Ricky, Ricky Fowler. Exactly. Uh, not quite sure. I, I, I don't think we're there yet. I mean, sure, there is some scar tissue, and, you know, who knows what we'll see come five weeks from now, Keowa Island, the PGA Championship. But uh, Xander Shoffley, he's a consistent player. 
if he can clean up that flat stick a bit, as we were texting about in in-depth detail on Saturday, 14, mm-hmm. 14 pole, five feet after hitting a great shot. Mm, nah, that flat stick failed him a couple times for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, let's go back to Matsuyama, by the way. Uh, it's a little yeah. bit of a humble brag for me. Uh, well, first of all, a couple of years ago, maybe three, four years ago, uh, Tumam Dewong, who, uh, of course, was uh-huh. our co-host in the Going For Broke podcast, I remember telling him specifically, I said, man, there are going to be a lot of uh, Asian male golfers, because uh, predominantly there's obviously some uh, that were you know, quite good for the last number of years. Uh, Shigeki Mariyama, of course. Uh, Satoshi mm. Kodaira won. Um, there's a couple others that... Uh, Sayo Aoki, of course. But I remember telling him, I said, that, uh, you know, especially the Sedeki Matsuyama guy is going to win a major and it's going to be huge and, and there's going to be more Asian male golfers playing really, really well. I just want to say that that is definitely happening with that. So uh, that's a brag on my part for, for that one. But uh, right. also, uh, I remember having a uh, a tremendous FaceTime call with you and your parents uh, a few months ago, oh. and we went back we went back and forth about different uh, things that were going to happen about either major winners or winners of the Stanley Cup, the World Series. Pretty much, it was about every different sporting event and the winners of each of them. Anyway, it and was a long FaceTime call. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I think there was like twenty different predictions for all of us or whatever. And uh, I remember saying that I said Hideki Matsuyama was going to win a major this year. And what were your guys' reactions? Did you guys call me an idiot for that one? And are you now realizing you're the idiots? Okay. I'm not sure if idiot is the right term. I would say I aggressively rolled my eyes. (laughs) Um via i mean remotely it might have been hard for you to see that because of the, of the facetime screen sometimes and and as you know the wi-fi at my parents place Ugh. is top notch the greatest wi-fi in the history of <laughs> the world it never cuts out especially during live instagram broadcast <laughs> uh but no it was it, you know what it, it's a long time coming though you know like you think back to 2017 when he won at bridgestone at the wgc this guy was very close to being the number one ranked player in the world and and he has changed the swing a little bit he used to have that you know, call it a pregnant pause, if you will, at the top, where it felt like he was at the top there for, you know, a, a year. But uh, but now it's not quite there. He's got a lot of speed in his swing on the ninth hole on Sunday. He hit his tee shot over 350 yards. I know it's downhill, but still 350 yards is 350 yards. And now that he's got that flat stick short up, it's unbelievable. Um, it's, it's pretty cool as well because of the Olympics, knock on wood, if they – hopefully can happen later this summer in Tokyo, you would think Hideki Matsuyama is going to be front and center in the opening ceremony. Oh, a million percent. He has to light the cauldron. Absolutely. Not even a, not even a question's asked. A question asked, well, you said you're talking about his, his flat stick. And for the most part, he didn't really have a lot of those testing little putts. He did miss a few short ones on uh, seven and, and 14 that he could have made and make him and even 16 could have made his life a little bit easier. But uh, his right. scrambling was just so good that all of his chip shots were to like within two feet. And not even Hideki Matsuyama can miss those putts because that's his been his strokes game putting the last three years has been like 180th like every year like he's been really really bad at that as we know, but I always figured like obviously he's talented enough but did I, of course did I, uh, did I bet on him to win this week of course I didn't even though I did predict that he would win a major this year so part of me is like happy I did that and the other part of me is like uh clown. Well, you know what? It's it's uh, you mentioned the short game and you know for me I go to the 13th hole on Sunday when Shoffley was yeah. call it eight, 10 feet for Eagle and, and Matsuyama was over the green on a down slope. One of us on this call may or may not have bet Matsuyama to not get up and down there. <laughs> and obviously I was wrong, uh, but a, a splendid showcase of short game for Matsuyama. 
Also, a pretty funny post on Instagram uh, the day after he won on Monday. I'm not sure if you saw this, Michael. Um, someone took a picture of Matsuyama <laughs> yeah. in the in the Atlanta airport at uh, 5:30 in the morning. He was connecting through Chicago, and he was sitting there with a mask on, green jacket, not in the 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 uh, garment bag. He was sitting overhanging on a chair on a, the chair behind him. Just imagine that if you're if you're Michael Harrison walking through the Atlanta airport at 5:30 in the morning, the day after the masters and you see the green jacket just right there with yeah. a guy who's probably, I mean, I don't know if Matsuyama drinks or parties or whatever, but I'm sure he was feeling, uh, I'm sure he's feeling pretty good. <laughs> uh, but the, <laughs> And the crazy thing was there was like no one that, that I saw anyway, basically no one around him being like, yo, you just won the masters. That's incredible. It was just like, it was just so strange. Uh, yeah, that, I did see that photo and it was, it was pretty funny that, uh, he wasn't wearing it. You'd think, of course, you'd have to be wearing it the whole time, right? But nope, he was not. Yeah, I mean, it, it'd be crazy. Now, um, I, I know I know you, Michael. You know, every every now and again, you get excited on the golf course. You, you enjoy a nice ice-cold water on the golf course. If you were to win the Masters, what what would the celebration be like for you? Oh, boy. I would yeah. assume, I'm putting uh, you on the spot, and I apologize. I would assume uh, I couldn't even tell you what that celebration entailed about three hours into that ce- said celebration, because yeah. Uh, yeah, it might be it might get a tad aggressive extremely quickly, and uh, yeah, I'm sure I wouldn't even be, be able to make my flight at five thirty the next morning. I, I I would just probably sleep right through that uh, that wake up call, or still be going. Uh, uh, yeah, I can't even imagine. You know, when you're, especially for him, like you're not only winning a major for yourself, you're winning one for your country, the first ever male champion of a major championship, as you said. And all of a sudden, now oh, it's gonna it's gonna be insane when he goes back home. Holy crap! So yeah, yeah, it, it would be it, nuts it's, it's, for me. It's crazy to think like you know you and I are obviously you know spoiler alert we're not professional golfers, but whenever yes. we're whenever <laughs> whenever we're playing matches, uh, you know like. I get nervous over putts to win a hole or, or to go, you know, a couple shots down or, or try to, you know, get into your lead sort of thing. But I can't imagine, you know, Matsuyama on 18, he's got a two shot lead. He's got to hit it down a shoot. He's got like, if, if he knows if he, if he bigs bogey on this hole, like his life is just flipped upside down in the greatest way possible. I can't imagine the nerves you would feel to, to pull it off. And he did. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, it was absolutely it was just so so cool to see him win, and uh, uh, yeah, it was great great to see him win a championship. And of course, as you mentioned, going into next month's PGA Championship at Keough Island, one of my favorite courses on that rotation. Uh, Jordan Spieth could win the career Grand Slam there, and he finished uh, tied for third at the Masters. So it's it'd be cool. It'd be a, good, a great storyline going into that, knowing he'll be playing well leading into that event. So uh, uh, that that'll be exciting. And uh, speaking of uh, other more things about golf here. Uh, Tiger Woods just announced that he's going to be, um, I guess, the cover athlete uh, for the it was the upcoming 2K game. Plus, EA Sports is now getting back into the uh, video game realm after like five years. Good word. Uh, with the Masters uh, being able, to, you could actually use the course. How excited are you are you for that? That uh, it seems like finally after a five year dry spell, like there's actually some uh, good competition amongst a couple of games. I like when there's competition like that. Yeah, is it not? Is it not weird? I mean, the fact that Tiger's the 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 cover of or the you know focal point of one game and Augusta National is in the other game. 
I don't know. I'm not, I mean, I'm not the biggest video game guy anymore. Try saying, saying that five times fast. I'm not, I'm not a big video game guy anymore, unless, you know, it's normal times and I may or may not be hanging out with my great friend, Michael, and, you know, hanging out and I'm just getting lamp based on uh, the video game console. But no, it's in all seriousness. No, it is. um, It is pretty cool to give the, you know, average golf fan, uh, a look at Augusta National. And of course, like you mentioned, they, they did do this before. I want to say it was 2012, maybe? I think, I think the, it was 2012. It might have been for at least two years. It might have been three years. Uh, yeah, yeah, EA Sports had uh, Tiger Woods as, as a cover. Uh, it, was, uh, it was part of the, the game, and he also had, they also had the Masters. But now it's, of course, separate from that, which is interesting. Well, and it was cool, too, um, and I, I believe I still own that on PlayStation 3, I want to say, and I'm really dating myself here. Wow, I'm old. <laughs> and um, you know what? Like it, it was funny playing the game, how they would ramp the green speeds up, and they would really show the undulation that – uh, you know, people who have been down there, people you've had on this podcast before, you know, Bob Weeks and Jamie Rydell, uh, Puffy, uh, you know, guys who have played the golf course, not a big deal, uh, where, you know, guys like you and me who are, you know, diehard golf fans and would do just about anything to go and play that golf course, we, we get a, an inside look. Um, and, you know, people like you and me appreciate Augusta National so much, but it's it's even cooler that, you know, Someone who is call it 10, 15 years old, who's maybe just getting into golf, they start playing a video game and they're like, oh my God, like this is so cool. I get to, you know, experience the same shots that these pros do to a degree in a video game, obviously. But I, I think it's cool. It's cool in one way. The, the Tiger and the 2K, I'm curious what happens, like, how the games are going to be different. Because as, as we know, there's only so much you can do in a video game to make it as realistic as possible. Um, and yeah, so I, am curious to, to where it goes. And I, I look forward to spending several hundred hours with my great friend, Michael playing both of the games at the same time. And we'll do that in 2071. Uh, yeah. actually the fact that, uh, Tiger Woods of course was the EA sports, uh, golf game, but now he's a 2k golf game. So it's like yeah. after, after they dumped him, uh, Tiger Woods, you know, he was just like, I want to stick it to them for not going with, not, not sticking with me through the tough times. So I love the fact that it's the opposite game. Great for competition, as I mentioned. It's really good because I love that Madden NFL year, NFL games every year. However, they're the exact same game every single year. There's no competition. There used to be a 2K NFL game, which was great. 16 years ago, you could make trades, and if the computer said no, they would give you a counter offer in the franchise Ooh. mode. That was 16 years ago, but Madden doesn't have anything remotely close to that, which is insane and ridiculous. So the, having a competition amongst games is a good thing because it makes them – not get complacent like Madden is, which is frustrating as much as I love the game. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, sorry, it, it, it is frustrating, Kihi, for sure. <laughs> um, and, you know, like even back in the day, um, this would, oh, this is almost 20 years ago, maybe 15 years ago now, where on Nintendo GameCube, PS, um, there was like the NHEA Sports NHL game, then there was like NHL Hits or NHL 2K4 or something, and, and like the games were you know, kind of the same, but kind of there are some fun modes in it. So, yeah, like like I said, there's there's only so much you can really do with, with the video game. But I, I I guess I guess it'll it'll give you know the the consumer an option to you know pick one one or the other. I mean, who knows? Maybe someday they'll they'll morph together and make it a super game. But I guess as they say, Michael, only time will tell. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, let's get to some uh, trade deadline. NHL just happened yeah. recently. Uh, finally finished. Uh, 
some some mostly uh, you know minor league depth deals. I, I yearn for the days of back in the day when uh, the trade deadline would be like the the Detroit Red Wings trading for like Wendell Clark and Luke Robitaille and Bill Ranford. Like just teams loading up for with veteran players. Now it's just like oh that's like ninth defenseman. That's cool for like a sixth round pick. Generally speaking, it's sort of like not much happening. But uh, mm-hmm. what did you, what do you think of some of the trades? And do you think the Leafs? actually liked their moves, uh, legitimately got, uh, made themselves a, a really good, hopefully a strong contender to, you know, to, to go far in the, in the playoffs this year. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, you know, getting, you know, the Leafs getting Nick Foligno, the Leafs getting David Riddick, um, the Leafs getting Ben Hutton, who's another deaf guy. I mean, Ben Hutton's averaging over 18 minutes a, a game at West right now. So, I mean, the guys, I mean, a lot of people are saying he'll be, you know, a seventh or eighth guy, but, I think I, I could see Ben Hutton really, you know, morphing in and out, you know, with a Travis Dermott, that sort of thing in yes. Toronto. Yeah. And uh, as we saw last uh, in the bubble, you know, Tampa was, you know, had a basically a rotating cast of their, you know, bottom two guys. They used eight, eight guys a lot of the playoffs. And um, as, as Jim Rutherford said uh, on, on TSN's coverage earlier this week, um, he acquired Mark Strait in 2017, Ron Hainsey as well, and Strait only played three games. But, you know, like you, you need depth anyway. So mm-hmm. to answer your, your original question, I, I think the Leafs have really set themselves well. I mean, Nick Foligno isn't the player that he once was, obviously, but, but he can really play up and down your lineup. He's sort of similar to Zach Hyman, I, I think, like that same mm-hmm. kind of player. Um, and another big thing that... I know people were all over the Leafs uh, last season. Yeah, it was last season when, when they fired Babcock. And then even in the bubble where it just didn't seem like they had much jam in that play-in series, is that the Leafs now have, what is it, three f- uh, former NHL captains. I mean, Tavar, Tavar is, uh, is obviously the Leafs captain. But, you know, adding Nick Foligno, adding Joe Thornton, uh, Wayne Simmons hasn't been a captain but provides great leadership. Zach Bogosian, I believe, has worn a letter in his career. Spezza? Jason Spezza, yes, of course. Yeah, he, he he was a captain back in the day. I would say no. Uh, he might have been the alternate because uh, because of Alfredson, but no, when Alfredson, uh, I, I was he might have been for a season or I'm not sure, but he definitely would have been. A, I would imagine, would right? He had to have, had to have worn a, a letter at some point. I'd be stunned if not. I I, be, I believe so, but like it, it, they're they're really set up um, to. For success, yeah. Uh, Jason Spezza was the captain in Ottawa. Brief for the th- thanks to Google for telling me that very. I was quickly. just about to Google um, that too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like it's like they they really don't have, uh, you know, weaknesses now. It's which is pretty crazy to think, you know, a Maple Leafs team and uh, you know without much weakness. And uh, I know when whenever we've watched games and you know sort of facetime and intermissions that sort of thing and try to debrief it and and, and talk about you know how we're gonna you know bet on people to score the next goal that sort of thing uh wink wink nudge nudge um That's... on the betting on the betting aspect of course um we uh we like this is a good hockey team this is a team where I know that's not exactly hard-hitting analysis, but uh, when, when you have Austin Matthews, who's clearly taken the next step, it clearly looks like his wrist has uh, healed from whatever the heck he was dealing with earlier. Um, you know, Mitch Marner's come onto his own. Uh, this Alex Galchenyuk move, he's, he's been pretty darn good as of late, too. Um, you know, adding Nick Foligno, where you can really play him anywhere in the lineup, 
Um, I, I'm curious where, where they go, um, where they go with Felino, because he's another he's a guy that can really help them uh, win a cup. Yeah, he'd be really good, obviously, with uh, Tavares and Nylander, or he could be a third line center and bump uh, Kerfoot if you want. Anyway, uh, not like you said, you can put him anywhere in the lineup really, and he won't hurt you in any any way, shape, or form. And yeah, he's not going to be he's not going to rack up a bunch of points, but then again, he doesn't have to. And also because he's going to be like the, such a lower option, it's almost like Galchenyuk now. When there's not as much expectation, well, then you're able to get you're playing lesser players, and you might be able to score because you're good instead of being like a first line guy or something like that. So, I think uh, they're doing really well. And I do like the fact they brought in David Riddick as goaltending depth just in case. Jack Campbell, of course, uh, has a little bit of injuries this year. Uh, Freddie Anderson, who knows how long he'll be out. Michael Hutchinson, you mm. can't be a legit Stanley Cup contender having that guy, although he has been better this year. You mm-hmm. can't have him in a, as a goalie if you are, are, are a legitimate contender. No chance at all. Uh, I yeah. must give you credit, though. Like, I, I know Jack Campbell set an NHL record for wins to start a season. He's been incredible. But long before everyone was like, oh, no, clearly he's the number one guy now, even if Freddie were to come back tomorrow, I, I must give you credit. You were on him uh, much, much earlier in saying that he should be their number one goalie. Yeah. yeah you know what? I may or may not have said this. I, I can confirm that. Um, you know what? It's, it's something about his style that he's, he's an old school guy. Like he is about as old school of a goalie that we're going to get now because, because of the way everyone is trained now, uh, everything is basically a strict butterfly. Um, you know, you look at all the, all the, the newer guys coming in, you even look at Jordan Bennington a couple of years ago, he's a butterfly guy all the way, you know, and Andre Vasilevsky, Carter Hart. I mean, Carey Price has been butter, butterfly all his life, but but Jack Campbell and you know, as I mentioned before, how we we Facetime during these intermissions and you know talk about the game that sort of thing. Jack Campbell stays on his feet. Jack Campbell reads the puck. Jack Campbell is an excellent skater. He has really good edges. He reads the play really well, and and if a shot's going high, he'll stay on his feet. And you you don't really see that that much anymore, if at all, because now goalies are taught that if they hear that on the ice any sort of clap they're on their knees and then reacting uh and trying to play the percentages essentially um as my former goalie coach piero greco who is actually now the goalie coach of the new york islanders not a big deal uh used to say that some goalies are are church goalies they go down and they pray (laughs) they go down they put both arms together they they hug their seven holes and maybe their six holes if you want to call the other side that and and look up and hope to God it hits them. Jack Campbell is the exact opposite of that. He's almost like, he's almost like a street hockey goalie in a bit, you know, like, like you can tell he has fun out there. Like he'll, he'll stack the pads. He'll stay on his feet. He'll, he'll, you know, go on one knee and sort of do a kick save in a beauty. And because like I mentioned before, he reads the play so well, he makes a lot of saves look easy. He makes a lot of saves in the middle of his crest, you know, off the, the center of his, pad off his easy blocker save easy glove save because he reads the play so well and he's really good on his feet obviously his he was an 11th overall pick back in the day so there was a potential for this guy he won a world junior gold medal so obviously sometimes it takes goalies a long time to develop you know setting the setting the record that he did you can tell he's just a great guy in the room uh, he seems like the greatest human being ever according yeah. to everyone in toronto uh but you know like if he can keep this up and if he can stay healthy because that's something where you know this season it's been oh he'll play well and then oh like he's too sore to play the next game which is 
you know, who knows what the injury was. And I, I know we were FaceTiming at one point when, when he got injured um, against Calgary that initial time. And, and that's where that big, that first injury or initial injury happened. But I, I guess we'll, we'll see where, uh, where Jackery leads the Leafs uh, from here. Yeah, and uh, obviously I, I mentioned off the top that you were a former OHL goaltender. Uh, do you have any stories of Jack Handel? Because as you mentioned, like when he wins these games, obviously I want Toronto to win. But I, I just want to hear what Jack Handel has to say because it, it's easier to, when you're winning all these games in a row to be, of course, jovial and friendly and fun. I understand that. But he just, like you say, he just seemed like the nicest, coolest dude of all time. Do you have any uh, stories of Campbell? Did you play with him or... Yeah, so it's, it's funny you mentioned that. So I'm trying to get the year right. I want to say... This was the year, I want to say, before our OHL draft year because Jack and I are the same age. And I was playing on a travel summer team so or like a spring team. So basically what we did, uh, because my, my head coach, uh, I'll give him a shout out, Louis, Louis Jeladakis, who many in the minor hockey circles know as, as a legend uh, in the game. Um, he, he has a lot of great contacts. And so myself... Uh, I, I was put on a, a travel team with some of our guys here in the Vaughn Toronto area, uh, combining with guys playing in Michigan and we would sort of go, to, you know, we'd go and play. Like we went to Chicago one year, we went to Montreal, we went sort of all over, you know, uh, in the GTA and played, uh, of note as well. Um, Rocco Grimaldi was on that team, hmm. uh, current NHLer who is about the same size now that he was then. <laughs> <laughs> the exact same player. It's funny how things were going. Anyway, so uh, long story short, uh, we were playing in a travel tournament, and uh, it was actually in Toronto, so it was 20 minutes up the road. And uh, because our team was made up of two teams, essentially, we had three goalies. And uh, Jack was playing. Jack Campbell was playing for Detroit Honeybakes. That's the, their team was called, and he was the only goalie. Yeah, he was their only goalie, but he got hurt. So Jack got hurt, and because of the Detroit connection with the Honey Bake coach and Louis, our coach, uh, Louis said, why don't you take Scully? So I trudged down the hallway, went in, um, and I, I remember Jack giving me a, you know, a fist pump and you know, go get him sort of thing. Um, and I went out. I remember I won one game. We, we lost another game, but he was, uh, he was a pretty quiet guy. Uh, you could tell he was very well respected in the room, even I think we were 15 years old at that point. Um, but, you know, just even then, like you knew how good he was. Like I, I played against him multiple times. Um, also on the Honey Bay team, I should mention, was uh, John Merrill, who was just traded to uh, Montreal. Montreal, I want to yeah. say, a couple of days ago. And, it, you know, I, I mentioned it's funny how how things you know evolve and change like when when we were 14 15 16 years old john merrill was gonna be the next scott niedermeyer like he was you played against him and you're like oh my god like he was like the best player on the ice by an absolute long shot so uh funny to see uh you know i I had the chance to replace campbell i I guess it's sort of a it's sort of a story with me i replaced campbell in that Bennington was my backup, huh. and now I'm here. To, and now I'm here talking to you. Bennington was your backup. Well, well, that was my next question. What other players did you play with or against that were uh, big? Have, name I, have I never told you that? Not, not. The, I don't think the Bennington part of it. Uh, obviously, oh, I knew the Campbell. Wow. But, wow, Bennington was the backup. I did not know that. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so you know, I totally. Yeah. So I'll, I'll fill. I'll fill you and your millions and millions of, of listeners from Zimbabwe and coast to coast. Columbus. Um, so, a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of listeners from Columbus. I'm still trying to figure that, that out. Like it's a uh, number one or two city that listens to this podcast is Columbus, Ohio. I'm still uh, 
Maybe they're maybe wow. they were Nick Foligno fans, and now the the, the wow. uh, who knows, right? I feel like we'll have to talk at some point about former Columbus Blue Jacket legend David Clarkson Ooh. on this podcast for yeah. hours on end. But no, uh, Jordan Biddington. Um, so Jordan is a year younger than me, and we both played in the Vaughn Kings organization, minor hockey growing up. And in the year before my OHL draft here, it's Bantam is, is the age group name, um, our other goalie uh, left our team. So that left me as the only goalie. And in AAA hockey, you always want to have a, a second guy on the bench just in case of injury, etc. And you don't want to put a player in it. it. It even happened in the OHL, coincidentally, with the Erie Otters. I think three years after I quit, where they only dressed one guy, he got hurt in the warm-up, and they had to put a skater in. Anyway, it was a whole, Ooh, boy. whole yeah. He, he gave up 13 goals <laughs> on 49, but hey, pretty good. You know, he made 36 saves in the OHL as a skater. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Former former Montreal Canadiens draft pick Connor Crisp oh, wow. did that yeah, for, yeah. For, for the Erie Otters. But for getting back to Bennington, so I was the only goalie on that Vaughn Kings team, and uh, Bennington was on the uh, year younger team, uh, the minor Bantam AAA Vaughn Kings, and he would come and and back back me up. Wow, that's just, that's great. Did you have a sense at that point, like, oh, this guy is going to eventually uh, uh, become amazing? And also follow up to that. Do you think you should be an NHL goaltender? Uh, so I'll take the I'll take the time now to break the news that I am making a comeback. No, I'm kidding. I uh, <laughs> no. um, unfortunately my body is a little too weathered now. Um, I haven't skated in a couple of years, so uh, to be honest, I, I don't know. It, that's that's my answer. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe I'll be the next David Ayers. Mm. Um, possibly the greatest thing I've ever seen on television watching that happen. Um, but uh, to Bennington, he, he always had this swagger. He, I'm not sure if cocky is the right word, but actually, yeah, I guess it is. Like he, he knew he was good and, and it reflected in his play. Like he, he's good. And even when he entered the NHL, he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. He even still rubs a lot of people the wrong way. We saw it in a game, Two or three weeks ago, he got pulled and was trying to like, like fake blocker people. He almost got into a little tilly with Devin Dubnik, which wouldn't have ended well for him because he, because <laughs> Dubnik was you know six inches and seventy pounds heavier than him. But um, it, it's funny too. I, I was speaking with um, Frankie Corrado, who was also on that team as well, uh, recently uh, throughout, uh, during the summer, and Frankie was saying like like he wasn't surprised at all. Like Bennington was that team and Vaughn, you know, his team, the year younger team, they would never score many goals, but you know, Bennington would give up, you know, a, you know, a, a shutout or a donut or one goal against and, and go, they'd win a lot of games two or three, one. So it's awesome to see him have a lot of success. Am I jealous that he just signed a $36 million contract? Probably. <laughs> yes. I, I, I could, I could say that, but it's, um, as you know, it's it's good for him, and uh, I, I'm fortunate to have played the game at a very high level, and I'll always have my my name to that, and uh, it's it's something that's that's helped me in other facets of my life now that I'm a hundred years old. Well, think of it this way, Adam: if you uh, had continued on into the NHL and obviously not not worked at TSN, and then you would never have met me, and then your that's life true. would not have been as, as enriched. So I think uh, it, me being in sucked. life is worth more than thirty six million dollars. Is what I'm trying to say. So. So and and the immediate follow up to that is, will you pay me thirty six million dollars? Absolutely. Uh, once I go, hopefully, 
on the Bachelor in Paradise. Good segue. Our Bachelor oh, in Paradise, wow. Canada. Oh, that's, that's an all-timer there. <laughs> and, be- and become such a megastar. I'll get you out of here on this. I know you're a very, very busy man. But uh, yes, uh, auditions at the end of this week, uh, I have to have them in. Uh, what should be my selling point to be on that show? Of course, we are the Bro Ceremony uh, hosts. Uh, mm. What what would you say as a Bro Ceremony host to uh, Michael to get him on uh, the, the, the the show? You know what, and and it's it, it's a great question because th- th- there's so many there are so many uh, how do I say this in less than eight thousand words? There there are so many things that make you a beautiful human. And I'm not sure how to summarize this in less than two minutes for however long this audition well, video is. But yeah, we have we have uh, t- ten hours for the audition video, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I think you know what we you know we, we've been fortunate on the bro ceremony. You can subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on social media, by the way, um, to to have people who have been on the show and who have been crucial figures on the show you know former bachelor ben higgins told you to bring a bunch of listerine strips yeah. so i would uh, i would stock up on those uh serena pitt told you and us to to, to bring a lot of uh wardrobe changes um because as you told her you don't want to be quote unquote outfit chained i think that's the <laughs> expression you used yeah so I, I think it's a it's a matter of of getting your personality out there it's a matter of um, uh, you know, having, having Ben and Serena as, uh, you know, focal points of the, uh, the Audi, the audition, the, uh, I'm not sure if you can call it naughty, but we will. And, and I have them ha- help, help your cause out uh, as much as possible. And I'm not sure if, if it's a case where we'll have me ask you some, some, you know, vulnerable questions, <laughs> some heart provoking questions, some questions that bring you frustration. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to discuss that at length, but it'll make me um, lose my mind. Yeah. It'll make you lose your mind. But you know what, <laughs> Michael, throughout this journey, your walls are going to have to be down. They can't be up. You're going to have to be vulnerable. And you're, if, if you want to be on the show and you want to succeed, you are going to have to be in it for the right reasons. I was just going to say, I was going to be my ending tagline right there. I was going to say, you know what, Adam? I'm in it for the right reasons, but uh, you stole my thunder on that one. But you know what? It still works. Well, uh, obviously, it's a a pleasure to have you on the podcast again uh, as a recurring character. Uh, Love having you on. And uh, yeah, uh, it was a great day for golf for Hideki Matsuyama winning. And uh, certainly, uh, it was a decent trade deadline day. It wasn't as good as it used to be, as I mentioned. Uh, You know, uh, Taylor Hall... That went the day before, and Anthony Mantha actually got traded. That was that was actually kind of decently good uh, mm-hmm. in terms of an actual name, as opposed to just like you know depth guys, as I mentioned. But uh, yeah, so hopefully I won't forget you when I get on the Bachelor in Paradise. Can mm. I become a megastar, make all uh, trillions of dollars, and then then I will give you a, a cut of that money. It would, you know what? I'm really I, I'm preparing to what the bro ceremony is going to be like alone because you'll have forgotten who I am. Like it'll, it'll just be me venting at the camera for hours on end about why, why Katie didn't pick whoever. I mean, if there's rumors going on of people on the show, do I discuss that at length alone? I don't know. But what I do know is bachelor in paradise, Canada is just going to be riveting television. That's because of the hound diggity dog. (laughs) Thank you so much, Adam. Uh, It's been a pleasure and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. Bye. Bye. It was tons of fun discussing Hideki Matsuyama's milestone victory at the Masters, the first Japanese men's major champion. The tournament is so special, and it'll be even better next year when hopefully 
It'll be full of patrons, unlike the limited amount this year. Super interesting to hear about Adam Scully's time in the OHL and how Stanley Cup winning goaltender Jordan Bennington was his backup. I can't get enough also of the Jack Campbell love. He's such a butron for the Maple Leafs, no doubt. You can follow Adam Scully at Adam underscore Scully on both Twitter and Instagram and also at Golf Talk Canada on both social media platforms for the show he produces and hosts. Thank you for listening to episode 61, the Gary Player edition of the podcast, where he went three green jackets among the blooming azaleas to adoring patrons down Magnolia Lane at Augusta National. I should end this podcast so I could do my Bachelor in Paradise Canada audition video. Thank you for listening to episode 61 of the H-Dog Pod. Bang. This has been the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Oh, that was really loud. You're, uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, so let me cut. Let, let me just, let me just turn off my, uh, okay. Yeah, they're, they're off now. My, my apologies. <laughs> okay. Take two. Uh, okay.